Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you. It's 105 at Edmonton. Game night, Edmonton Oilers, Philadelphia Flyers. Oilers 5-0 to start the season. Flyers 2-1-1. Philly's first road game of the year. Oilers Now is brought to you by Digitex. Digitex.ca is Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology and software. A lot of you are very passionate out there. Love it. You can reach us on the River Cree Resort Casino hotline. 780-496-0063. The River Cree Resort Casino. Excitement. Bet on it. And you can text us at 780-496-0063 in the Ashley Fine Floors text line. Get the new floors you've always wanted with Ashley Fine Floors. 143rd Street, 111th Avenue. Open Monday to Saturday. We will get to some texts a little bit later on. Uh, we're on Twitter, at Oilers Now. My personal handle is Bob underscore Stoffer. Brendan is at Brendan with two E's. Scott with two T's. As we bring aboard... Our political affairs columnist and cult of hockey writer from the Edmonton Journal, uh, David Staples. Hello, David. How are you doing? Bob, it's a great day for hockey, so I could not be better. Yeah, well, uh, some might debate whether or not it's a great day for hockey. In your line of work, you have to cover at times some pretty difficult and, quite frankly, divisive topics. I know that uh, years ago, uh, Bryn Griffiths, who certainly uh, helped me along uh, my journey, uh, we'd always discuss the fact that when we got to talk about sports, even when it came, you know, hey, this guy's this, this coach is no good or this GM should be fired based on performance, that we we'd use the term we work in the toy department of life. You know what I mean? That this yep. is the fun stuff. And unfortunately, it's crossed over here uh, with the uh, Chicago uh, Blackhawks situation with the, the the massive resignations that have occurred based upon the, the findings in terms of that internal investigation with the John Doe player from the 2010 playoff run. In the news wheel, and it is a news story, but in the news wheel, uh, unfortunately, stories like this happen uh, on a fairly regular basis, and you get really, you know, sort of heated and exasperated, and people have a lot of different perspectives on things, don't they, David? Yeah, I, I mean, it's terrible these incidents happen. It's good there's lots of publicity about them. I mean, serves as a warning to anyone who thinks they might get away with it. Like, this isn't 40, 50, 60 years ago where these kinds of things were brushed under the carpet. They're thoroughly investigated now, and they're much discussed in the public realm. I think that's a, you know, compared the way it used to be, that's a positive development. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's get to the Edmonton Oilers. They're 5-0 and on the season. How much belief right now is out there in oil country? On, there was a huge negative thread on the Oilers in their history today that I saw and I was thinking, okay. Uh, but generally speaking, Bob, the fans are, are really happy. I mean, there just seems to be everything is trending in the right direction, give or take Mike Smith's injury. You know, that's a little bit worrisome. But other than that, I mean, everything's turning. Everything's kind of working out for the Oilers. You know, all of Ken Holland's offseason moves. Uh, generally speaking, are either re- are are okay to great. So uh, the team's five and zero. Oh, the Leafs are losing. So everything's great in all country. David, do you agree or disagree with this comment? Had it been the Edmonton Oilers at the start of the year, two wins in seven games, got the snot, living snot kicked out of them by the Pittsburgh Penguins seven in a game in which the Penguins did not have Crosby, Malkin, Latang, Jeff Carter, to name a few. Uh, 
if that had occurred and been the Edmonton Oilers, you would have had uh, geniuses in the Toronto. And I, I, I reference this, some of the Toronto pundits, not all of them, uh, clamoring on the air that Connor McDavid must request a trade out of Edmonton. Uh, the Leafs, by the way, have only won two of seven games to start the season. That was a lethargic performance. I, I, I did. I mean, I was tempted to tweet. So I'm like, yeah, you know what I'm saying, David. You don't want to rub it in because you know fortunes can change quickly in hockey. Yes. And this is exa- yes. so so. Otherwise, I would I would rub it in, but I just know from experience that this could change quickly. But you know, wasn't it? Uh, was it? I think it, I don't want to say in the name of the Toronto writer who said it because I'm not sure about it. So, but there was a prominent Toronto sports writer, like you know, when when things were going bad for for the uh, the Oilers recently, who said, you know, how long will Connor McDavid put up with this? And it's just the kind of crap, you know, that they would, when their own bad team, when their own team goes bad, they never say that about Austin Matthews. You know, they're, they're never wondering when he's going to leave town, but it's Austin Matthews on the shorter contract. Yes. Yep. And with, with ties to, you know, the United, he's an American. America, we know, you know, everyone's an individual. We don't know what's in Austin Matthews' head, but we know, generally speaking, American players like to play in the United States. We've seen it repeatedly. So, uh, you know, I just think they should be a little bit more, they should be more cautious. It certainly doesn't give the, the Toronto Maple Leafs any love in the rest of Canada with the way, so, and I, I agree with you, Bob, it's just some of them, but the way some of the media carries on there, they turn them, they turn that team into a much more hated team than they would otherwise be because of, uh, you know, the way they lorded other teams when things go wrong. You know, it's amazing, David. They sure seem to know a heck of a lot about winning. Which is quite ironic because they haven't watched the Leafs win a playoff series since Austin Matthews was six. And many of them have not watched the Maple Leafs in a Stanley Cup final since they've been born. So I I don't get the Hyman move, Bob. Like, that's the one thing with the Leafs this year. I don't really get it because they they're like the oilers they do have the short window to win the cup like yeah. this it's right now for them as well and for for them not to figure out a way to keep that player I, it, it was kind of unlike the leafs because they i think dubas has done well in a lot of ways keeping the talent on that team yeah. i don't get it well the over i mean th- let's face it they got who would you rather have would you rather have uh mcdavid dry hyman and rnh for what amounts to 32 million or would you rather have Tavares, Matthews, Marner, Nylander for $41 million? I think we know the answer to that. Yeah. I think it went wrong with the Tavares signing, honestly. like I, He's a very good player, but I think they overpaid by three or $4 million for a player who was leaving his prime. And it, that's, what's, that's the All fly right. in the ointment there. All right, let's get to some specifics. The Oilers' power play right now is clicking at 47.1%. You know what's crazy, David? Their best power play of the year they might not have scored on. On that 5-on-3 yeah. that turned into a 5-on-4 against Vegas, the Oilers looked like the Harlem Globetrotters handling the puck. <laughs> like, they could have had four or five. We are we could be watching. Uh, I mean, Wayne Gretzky said it on with Gene Principe during the second intermission. We had Wayne on in the first intermission, but the guy hosting the, doing the interview was too stupid to ask Wayne about the power play. That's be yours truly. Uh Moyne said, I don't think our power play was as good as this one. We could be watching one of the greatest power plays of all time, David. We could be watching the greatest power play of all time. And so since they started tracking, the NHL started tracking power play success, the greatest power play of all time was actually in the first year they started to track that 77-78. And it was the Habs, and they were like 31% um, efficiency rate on the power play. 
So uh, and then the, the, at the, in that same era, there was the Islanders power plays, which were consistently above 25% for about seven or eight years in a row, and they peaked at about 31% two years. So can the, the question is, can the Oilers beat that this year? And I think they got a real shot, Bob. They, I mean, they've been at 27%, about 27% for a couple of years now. Oh, well, they were at 29 two years ago. Yeah. So it's not that big a jump. They don't have to improve that much to do it. Right now, um, in that spot you were talking about against Vegas, they created, according to our count at the Cult of Hockey, they created like eight or nine grade A chances in about three minutes. This power play is averaging a grade A scoring chance every single minute they're out there which is a which is a big improvement over even recent years when the power play was so good and they are they are clicking at such a high rate and and here's one little example that i've seen nugent hopkins when when he 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 always likes to come in down the left side and then he makes that little back pass backhand you know uh drop pass to the defenseman and he he was hitting cleft bomb every single time when tyson berry came last year it took him a while to adjust and that pass was off that's because that's because the power play might work better with the left shot than a right shot yeah, but this year, though, Nuge has adapted, and he's hitting with that back pass. He's hitting Barry on the tape every single time. Barry then rifles it over to Drysaddle or McDavid on the on the right side, and it just it's just everything is moving that much better this year because these players know each other that much more. I mean, Nuge, uh, McDavid, and Drysaddle have played together now. Every this is seven years now on the power play together. So the level of comfort and the level of precision that we see on the power play, it reminds me most of the Islanders' power play, which also was dominated by five absolutely outstanding players and had this kind of precision that you see with the Oilers and killed people in the playoffs, killed the Oilers in the playoffs uh, in a, a couple of years. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's amazing. It's, Dave, it's just, there's, there's one big difference, though. You're, you're comparing power plays from the Islanders, you know, 77, 78 into the early 80s. Yeah. When the goalies were five foot nine and five foot ten, not six, <laughs> not not averaging six foot three and a half, and video. Every team in the league, like the guys get on the plane, and the video coach is super critical and uh, in terms of helping the players prepare, and and so you know they've got the iPads and they're they're prepping for the night. There was none of that back in the 1970s and 1980s. So the goalies are way big. So it's actually harder to score. It's harder to have that good a power play, in my opinion. I think that's a fair comment. There's there was more goals per game then, more power play goals then than than there is now. So for this power play to succeed, they just have to be that much better. They have to be that much more, more precise, and they have to have that many more shooters. And like you know, there's just so many options that the Oilers have now on the power play, and it, I I think it's really taken off, Bob. Um, since they allowed McDavid kind of free reign on the power play, they just allow him to go here, there, and everywhere, and it and it makes the Oilers' power play so unpredictable and chaotic that you really can't cover off all the good options that the Oilers have to to create a goal, and that's why we're seeing such success. So when people think of the dynamic duo in Edmonton, they think of McDavid and Drysaddle have been one, two in scoring. They're the two highest scoring players since the start of the 2016-17 season. Is there a new dynamic duo potentially developing here in Edmonton? Well, fingers crossed, and this is the smallest of sample sizes for saying this, but, I mean, what we're seeing from Evan Bouchard and Darnell Nurse is really, really encouraging. 
I can't remember the last time. I mean, the Oilers had pretty good defensemen in 2016-17. The top four were, were very strong. Secker and Russell were a pretty good top pairing. Clefbaum and Larson. I mean, it's even arguable who was the top pairing that year. But this, Bob, is this pairing of Bouchard and Nurse has such potential. They seem to match up very well with Bouchard being just a brilliant puck mover. Uh, what we're seeing right now. And Nurse, such a dynamic and physical player. So they kind of cover each other's weaknesses a little bit. Um, and uh, they just move the puck so efficiently. They attack so efficiently. They're dangerous out there. And I, I don't think it's been since the 1980s um, that we've seen a pairing, which is quite this good. Maybe Pronger and Jason Smith, they were paired up in the playoffs that one year. But um, this is this is amazing, and can it continue? We've only seen it a little while, but I think Nurse has been consistently good. Evan Bouchard has looked consistently good in a pro setting for uh, for the since he got to the pro hockey AHL Swedish Hockey League with the Oilers last year. I think he's the real deal. So the Oilers have a real top pairing. They have a real number one defenseman in Nurse, and this top pairing might become elite in the NHL. Do you uh, do you buy what the numbers would sell on Evan Bouchard? Fifty-four percent defensive zone start, but he's at fifty-five Corsi, fifty-eight Fenwick. I mean, is that real data, data that illustrates how you know, or do you think that's just sort of made up BS? It, I mean, Corsi can be misleading because it, it's a it's a number earned by a group of players, so you're never quite sure what, how one player drives it, either up or down. But in our own, you know, study of his work on scoring chances, he's doing exceedingly well, as is Nurse. They're doing better than any, like since we started tracking this 10 years ago, they're the best pairing that we've seen in this short sample size in terms of creating scoring chances for and limiting scoring chances against. And we're looking at their individual play, how both they're doing. So, yeah, I think that... When you look at their uh, Bouchard's on-ice numbers, his Corsi and his Fenwick and other numbers like that, you can trust that he is the driver in that good number. Uh, Cody Ceci, Duncan Keith. Lots of concerns about that pairing in preseason. Um, Again, decent, I think, decent numbers. The one thing I like about him, we had Cody on the show yesterday, is when a mistake gets made, they don't compound the mistake by by panicking. They settle down a bit. Give me your thoughts on what we're seeing there. Well, I had a huge concerns about both of them, not having seen them, and and you know some you know there was lots of negative talk about both players uh, coming into the season. But I've been really surprised pleasantly by CC especially. Um, he is in the prime of his career, right? He's he's at an age where defensemen can kind of take off sometimes and um, become really solid defensemen for two, three, four years. And the and the Oilers really need this out of CC, of course, because of his four-year contract at a, at a good price. But he's been very steady. He's big, fast. He battles hard. He seems to have uh, making good decisions on the ice, which I think is the key for him. The coaches identified that, you know, the decision-making. He can make a pass. He's made a number of really good stretch passes. Keith um, has uh, 
he skates really well. He's fast. And is he ever clever with the puck? And I'm going to make a uh, 1970s sports reference here. He reminds me, like, back in the day, there was some players like J.C. Tremblay, Whitey Stapleton, kind of at the end of their career, often in the WHA, who had slowed down a bit, but were still so good with the puck because they're smart. That You know, the hockey IQ doesn't go away, and Keith has that in spades. He has had some uh, more defensive slip-ups uh, uh, than I would like, but um, he's been okay on defense, I would say, and and really good with the puck on his stick. And he and CeCe have been a solid second pairing. So, so far, so good. Five games in all season. David Staples joining us from Cult of Hockey. Five games in. Zach Cassian's got three goals. Fogel and Derek Ryan each have one. That's five goals from your third line. Bob, I wish they'd listened to you years ago on Derek Ryan. He, you know, I, I you never might, had really the way, watched I'm gonna, him closely. David, he is so smart. David, I'm going to tease people tonight. We're going to – Craig McTavish and myself might be having some fun on that topic tonight. Yeah. And I know you're, like, you, you're not always right. You admit that. I'm not always right. Sure. I admit it. We, everyone makes mistakes in these judgments, right? But you did push Derek Ryan for a long time, and he really can play. And, you know, and he's older now. Like, he's not the Derek Ryan that you were pushing five years ago. He's, you know, he's in his mid-30s. So sometimes players slip then. But he's, he's very fast. And he's very, he's got a high hockey IQ, a high hockey IQ, both on the attack and on defense. He is fundamentally sound. And there's been so many Oilers uh, third, fourth line centers that have come in over the years who have been ballyhooed coming in with a lot of hope, and they have just cratered. They have not done very well. It's been the story. It's been such a narrative in in this town. But this guy is defying it so far. He's looking really good. So that was a that was a good signing. It looks like. All right, Oilers first three home games, uh, Dry Settlement, David played together. The two road games, uh, they split them up. Uh, they're split up to start tonight. Your thoughts? I, you know, I like it. You know, some people, again, were down on going back to Drysdale and McDavid. And, you know, it's not my first choice either because I think you bring out the best in both players if they're on their own lines. It puts the most responsibility on both of those guys. You're the leader now on the ice. You're the leader on the attack and also in your own zone. You're the guy in your own zone uh, to get back and help out the defenseman, advance the puck and defend down low. And I think that asking that of those two players brings out the best in them. That said, I don't mind the experimentation from, from Tippett. I think coaches, NHL coaches regularly do this. They switch things up. They try different things. And I actually wouldn't mind seeing them try the line of McDavid, Drysettle, and Yamamoto, which had a 82% goals for percentage, 81% goals for percentage last season in limited ice time. I think that combination really, really worked last year. So if he's, if he's going to try something different, and he will, I, I wouldn't mind seeing that. But again, I think I, I just... McDavid with Hyman and Pugliarvi seems to be aligned with a lot of promise. And we already saw uh, in 2019-20, the Dynamite line, how good that was with Drysaddle, McDavid, and Nugent Hopkins. So I really like this. Uh, I'm not surprised that it's working. And I think it will, you know, McDavid has been on fire on the attack. He's had a few, he, the top line with when he was with Drysaddle and Pugliarvi had a few defensive issues. But I think he's going to shore that up and has been shoring that up in recent games now that he's the the sole guy in charge. David, how do people follow you? Uh, for the hockey stuff, at D Staples on Twitter. Great stuff. Thanks for your time, David. Thanks, Bob. That's David Staples from the Cult of Hockey. It's 124 in Edmonton. We'll get to our Oilers Now injury report when we return. 
This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It is 127 and into the Oilers Now injury report brought to you daily by James H. Brown. Injury lawyers, unrivaled experience, unrivaled commitment, unrivaled results. Simply put, James H. Brown, injury lawyers, they're the best. Here's Brendan Escott. Well, Mike Smith still day-to-day with a lower body injury possible to return on Saturday in Vancouver. Philadelphia's Ryan Ellis officially ruled out tonight. It's an undisclosed injury suffered late last week. They are still without Kevin Hayes. He's returning from abdominal surgery uh, week-to-week right now. And uh, Nikita Kucherov, out eight to ten weeks with a procedure on that lower body injury he suffered. So it will not be the old trick they pulled last year, I guess. Uh, I spoke about the fact that I think it's tougher to score today and, and talked a bit about goaltenders. Herm, the old minor pro goalie, has texted the show on the Ashley Fine Floors text line. Bob, disagree a little when you compare then to now. Goaltenders, yes, are bigger, and they all play on their knees, right? Majority of the goals are being scored upstairs. No red line today. Today, if you hit somebody too hard, there'll be a penalty. So uh, more power plays. Selling tickets today is offensive scoring. That's the most important thing. Fighting's down because of player insurance. It's a business. Very hard to compare then and now. That one comes to us from Herm. Well, Herm, you're entitled to your opinion. And uh, I, I, I think it's tougher to have, tougher to match those power play totals from the late 70s. It's not lost to me that the two best power plays in NHL history, by the way, the orders of the fourth best power play in NHL history two years ago, uh, the two best power plays in NHL history came in the same year. I think that does sort of shed some light on it. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell at 1.30. Chuck Fletcher is the general manager of the Philadelphia Flyers, and he will join us at 134 here on Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.